if you were stranded on a desert island, what what are you hoping for? You know, you can use my water to survive. I mean, if you need to. Good. You Noted. Know. Yeah. Probably, Noted. Probably just eat me, though. Would be the best solution. <laughs> I think more likely than magical flatulence. Skin you and use your hide for a sail. I was telling Becca she can always drink my spit. That's, you know, mm. it's really important in a, any partnership is to make yourself available. Want <laughs> <laughs> your spit to be drank. That, that is, that's, that's very... If you've got that much of it, you got to that, share. That's what love I looks mean, like. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. I think that's a good... That is love. What is love if not salivation persevering? I gotta say... <laughs> is that it? Is that yeah, the, I think that's the line. That's I expected it. much more Weekend at Bernie's out of this movie. You hadn't <laughs> seen this before? No. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> so I, I was... I was taken aback uh, quite a bit. Uh, I, I, why don't, <laughs> hey, Dustin, why don't you let me see you fart? Why don't you <laughs> fart in front of me? I have. <laughs> oh, well, all right. Then I guess, never mind. Here yeah. we are. Re- retracted. Yeah, we're just, yeah, we're, we're, we're pals, man. It's just regular Hank and Manny over there across the table <laughs> Hello, from me. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Good Trash Flatulence cast in which we discuss the films you'll never discuss in a film says course. This week's film, uh, is it a special pick? It's been so long since we've been together. No, no. It is, this is just a just because pick. This yeah, is, this is just this normal. Is, this is from the Arthur Nine Thousand. Yeah, yeah. Um, Arthur Tron Nine Thousand, uh, in which we have selected the Daniels Swiss Army Man, starring uh, Paul Dano and uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, another Daniel. Very yeah. very confusing. Lots many, of Daniels. Many many Daniels. Multiple Daniels. Exponentially more Daniels than you might expect. Uh, but anyway, I'm still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. I am still Dalton. And uh, we're going to be talking about this movie in an analytical kind of way and that means where they're going to have to be spoilers so if you've never listened to the show ever uh we want to warn you at the upset that uh the upset at the upfront at the outset there we go upfront and outset is the upset but upset means something altogether different it's been a uh, month folks it's going yeah. to be an upsetting show for you perhaps <laughs> if you are not on the wavelength of this particular <laughs> film uh, uh and so we want to warn you about that and give you an idea of what you might think of the film if you have not actually seen it and do not wish to be spoiled. And so we're going to get synopsises, or a synopsis, I should say, and then quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. And then we're going to move into a game that involves light analysis. And then we're going to give you some kicky music to let you know that we are moving on into full-blown analysis, and that's when all spoiler bets are off. It's a spoiler continuum. There's there's very few, and then there's lots. Exactly. We get from less to lots. And uh, as one might do so uh, at any point you may want to pause it and catch the film if you wish but otherwise uh listen up and you'll maybe learn something no, i doubt that you'll learn something about swiss army man if you've never seen it there you go but if you learn anything else that's just kind of that's not our fault that's dumb luck mm-hmm. uh more than anything so with that without any further ado arthur gordon can you delight us with a synopsis please stranded on an island hank has reached the end of his rope but salvation <laughs> arrives in the form of a flatulent corpse named Manny. <laughs> he has reached the end of his rope. <laughs> he is at the very end of his rope. Yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, content warning for talk about the S word. Yeah. <laughs> Buddy, oh. they really just come out swinging. I've totally forgotten about that aspect of this movie. Yeah. Uh, and then they Pulls turn a few it, punches. Yeah, and they turn it right around. Oh. Yeah. Anyways, no time. They, that's, the, the Daniels are all about tone. Uh, <laughs> Uh, about tone navigating surfing, tone yes, surfing. That's, that's what we'll good, call it. Yeah, for this movie, <laughs> man. Um, all right, well, there you go. Well, I've seen the movie. I've seen. You've the movie. seen the movie. Yeah. 
Dalton. Dustin. Dustin, however, has not. So I, let us know what you think. Okay, I have not seen the movie, and I was unprepared. I understood <laughs> that the body of Daniel Radcliffe would be useful <laughs> for survival. Yes. But I expected something like, oh, the Lieutenant Data gag, uh, when a ship crashes in the hollow suites, he says, I double as a flotation device. And he goes, <laughs> comes up in the air and That's they a hang on. joke. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, yeah, it's in one of the movies. I forget which one it is. And I expected something like that. He would be handy for that. Um, you know, fumes might start fires, mm-hmm. which ends up happening, actually. But yeah. I expected something really kind of just basic, this sort of dark comedy, which it is definitely a dark comedy. And that's, that was my anticipation. Now, I did read that there were some at Sundance when this film premiered who walked out quite early because they could not get on the film's wavelength. And I can say that I do not share that feeling, but I totally understand someone going, nah, not for me. This is I'm. I just. I. I'm. I'm not gonna go there for this. This is, and this movie is a movie that if you get on board, it is a delight. Get on board, Daniel Radcliffe's uh, <laughs> fart scene. <CD. laughs> uh, the 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 fart do is uh, one of the greatest cinematic inventions. What an incredible first ten minutes! <laughs> Truly. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad you were uh, swept up in it. Uh, <laughs> indeed, I was. So, that being said, it is... I, I would say it is better not to know anything than to know something. I, I, I think if you're going to be a person who's going to be able to get on the wavelength of something very, very, very strange. If you're the kind of person who's like, you know what, something very, very, very strange, I don't know about that. It might be better to sort of have an idea as to what's going on. Now, I'm, I, can get on the, I can get on board with something very, very, very strange. This movie is exactly that, and it's worth it. And as we were talking about a moment earlier, using the new coin trademarked phrase from the Good Trash Honor cast, tonal surfing, mm-hmm. this movie surfs tone hardcore Mm -hmm. you're moving directly from a desperate sort of like the dark awful scene of castaway to something where you go fart jokes okay that's fun to uh, again body processes of decomposition to mental illness and talking to a corpse who talks back moving on towards social awkwardness and the total terror and anxiety one might experience in which one feels a little bit of social anxiety to deep personal and uh, daddy issues um, and other sexual issues as i say and then there's a boner radar and then then there's a boner radar um <laughs> the homing pigeon points home the bonar if the, you will the yeah. bone and i will <laughs> Tra- trademarked again by the good yeah, tra- we're really we're on a roll today we're, we're going to create many great terms today many portmanteau will be made uh which throughout- was appropriate for this movie <laughs> you know sort of retrofitting things together into something new so all of that just, again, sort of narratively content-wise, script-wise stuff's going on with an incredible performance from Paul Dano and a perfect performance for what his job is for Daniel Radcliffe. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is kind of stunt casting as far as Radcliffe goes, but it, it, it's perfect. And somehow his absolute zombified 
performance has chemistry with Paul Dano. He's doing I, a lot of not blinking. Uh, I say kudos to him. We <laughs> were debating, uh, Beck and I, were, we watched this, we were debating, like, now is it easier to not have to worry about hitting marks uh, th- or holding still, like really still and not mm-hmm. moving at all? This is the Which anti-Richard is Gere school of acting, because all Richard Gere does is blink. And this, <laughs> <laughs> so there's a spectrum in acting. There's Daniel Radcliffe in this film and everything Richard Gere's ever done. That's your spectrum for acting, okay. <laughs> That's a spectrum. Gotcha. It's many continuums uh, in which one may find themselves. But the music also is incredible. The lighting is incredible. The use of montage and montage itself as a joke and a song lyric is a thing that happens in this incredible movie. Moving on to this very, very bizarre, uh, you can't believe this really happened kind of It's got a sort of a true crime kind of feel there at the end where the Mm. cameras are capturing some of these strange events and recreating and uh, discovering what parts of this were real, semi-real, or what have you. It it really is an experience. Uh, I I really enjoyed it. I loved it a lot uh, because it does everything it does with such sincerity. I think that's really it, it is a sincere boner joke, a sincere yeah. Yeah. flatulence yeah. joke, sincere use of well Paul Dano's anxiety and sort of wrestling through that. Uh, it, it, it nothing in this is not taken again in the most earnest possible way, and I think that's why it works for me. So uh, I liked it a lot. I had a good time with it. I now kick over to you, Dalton. What do you say about? Uh, Swiss Army Man. I like this movie a lot. Yeah, it's very sweet. It's it's very tender. I, it's earnest, sincere. These are all words that I think accurately describe it. I, I will say, I was kind of surprised. I, I liked it a little bit less than I did the first time I watched this movie. I caught it in theaters when it was first coming out. And uh, maybe it's because uh, I'm a uh, everything everywhere all at once stand now. Uh, this is where I find, ended up on my top mm-hmm. 100. Uh, I, this film has kind of, you know, diminished uh, a little bit for me. And maybe it's just because I, I've seen what the Daniels have gone on to do. And I can, you know, the, the with a little bit more money and a little bit more time, what they were able to accomplish. Um, so, I, you know, that, that film resonates with me so much that this one's, yeah, diminished in my estimation a little bit. I think... Sort of the way the there, there's a line that I never quite got over. Uh, the uh, every girl was more special before the internet is a line that I think the movie never really recovers from. Yeah, that... and, and I understand what they meant. Mm-hmm. There, there is a a statement about like the commodification of the internet there, but I, I, you know I, I think it's that's a hell of a thing to say, and the movie never quite may, earns its bones on that one for me. And that my, that you know it kind of just just stuck out to me because. There, there are really no missteps in everything everywhere all at once. That that misstep really kind of like uh, it made me kind of crinkle my eyebrows as I am doing right now, and uh, I never uncrinkled them for whatever reason. Uh, and that, maybe that's a little silly, but uh, I, I think th- there's definitely a reckoning with the trope of the quiet indie movie girl of the uh, the indie movie uh, part- Let, let's just say Manic Summer? Pixie Dream Girl yeah, oh, okay. Let's, okay, yeah, yeah exactly that type uh, this movie is a Deschanel perhaps uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, perhaps uh, maybe even a um, a uh, Kirsten Dunst thank you I was trying to think of the, who was in Elizabeth Town yeah uh, yes we're playing in that ballpark right and I, I think the movie knows that it's what it's doing for sure um, but I just never quite it, it doesn't really come home for me that aspect of the film's 
plot. You know, it's it's using this sort of uh, this uh, romanticization of a, another person from afar that we often get in this type of sort of saccharine indie movie. It's it's definitely commenting on that uh, with the, the bus se- sequence that I think is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bus sequence between Dano and Radcliffe, I think, works really well, but... So it almost comes close to kind of resolving that idea, but where we end up in the third act, I never feel resolved uh, with that aspect of the plot. And um, it's such a core component of everything going on in the movie that 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 has to land, that has to work. And uh, on on this rewatch, yeah, it not working did kind of, uh, it caught me off guard uh, how much it bothered me, but it did. Uh, That said, this is a really funny movie. Holy shit, this movie's funny and like so inventive, and that's that is something that uh, you you can't ever take away from the Daniels is their inventiveness and their creativity with what they uh, think of putting on screen. Uh, the, the I'm trying to think what my favorite use of Radcliffe is, and it's probably the grappling hook. Uh, that's pretty good. <laughs> the uh, the crutch grappling hook is a yeah. pretty great moment. Uh, <laughs> And that's, yeah, I, I'm with you, Dustin, that the, the wavelength is a big part of this movie. Mm-hmm. If you can get on it, you're, you're going to have a good time. And if not, I can't blame you. No. I can't blame you. It's off-putting. It is deliberately off-putting and in many ways. And I, I think that's by design. And I, mm-hmm. I, I it mostly still works for me. Uh, I just, uh, I was really hot on this movie when I first saw it. Uh, so it's, it's a diminished a little bit, but overall, I'm still a pretty big fan. All right. Well, thank you for that crinkly review, Dolls and You're Stewart. very welcome. Now, can you try to uncrinkle your eyebrows? It's really bothering me. Well, I'm going to think on the, the dulcet tones of the acapella score, and I think that that's going to Okay, that, that helps. Everything. You look less like Angry Bird I feel, from I feel Sesame like, Street. I feel Well, Arthur, as you are singing the pop-pop horn song, what do you think of Swiss Army Man? Oh, man. Yeah, I... I remember seeing this in theaters and being pretty positive on it and i think on a rewatch that really kind of did stick with me uh it reaffirmed mm. i think um because below the surface of what this you know the the silly nature absurd surrealness of it are just two directors who can put together a movie um we've kind of already alluded to it but that score itself the way that all kind of comes together and is intertwined from the diegetic to the non-diegetic, how that plays back and forth, the 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 tones, the sounds that Hank and Manny make becoming the score that drives the movie forward, I think is just such a, an inventive and fascinating. I read that they had some of that score available to them on set while they were filming, which I, I think you can tell. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's because it is so well integrated yeah. into everything that's it's, going on. You know, that's incredible. I think it just looks great. Um, I, I think, you know, to your point about, you know, being still or hitting marks, the, the physical performance that Radcliffe is doing here is, is incredible because I think it is a challenge to just kind of really go into that weekend at Bernie's thing where you kind of put your trust into other people to make sure you're doing what you need to do, but also having a level of control over yourself. And he just nails it from the kind of evolution of these guttural kind of things he does as this kind of a zombie sounds too full formed uh kind of basic grammatically broken sentences uh, that a corpse would be able to put together there's like a weird atonal affect to the way he speaks too that he never drops like there is always something sort of zombified about yeah. him yeah yeah and so i i think he's just great and i love paul dano i think i think mm-hmm. he's one of the greats of his generation uh i think he's so good and i think it is because he is able to just convey a lot of sympathy and empathy and emotion through the way he uses his body, his movement, 
uh, his language. You know, I think you know in uh, uh, sound of uh, what's it called the the Beach Boys one. Um, oh, love and uh, love mercy. mercy, love and mercy. There is. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's great. He's Brian great. Wilson. Brian Wilson, right yeah, he is. Uh, there, and, and then just in Prisoners as well. He's just so good. He's kind of a chameleon, able to do so much. Obviously, Batman this year being his big one for now, but. Uh, I, I just always admire him, always look forward to seeing what he's going to do next. And so I, I appreciate that. But kind of stripping away that narrative, like I said, I think just what the Daniels can do. And obviously that inventive, inventiveness has taken them to kind of new heights with everything everywhere all at once. Um, kind of, which has just sort of taken moviegoers, I think, by storm as it's just gotten another re-release in theaters. Yep. Uh, as we're kind of recording this, it's back in on screens opening in more theaters, uh, which I think is really something in, in the era of the 45-day streaming window that we have now where a movie plays and 45 days later you can watch it wherever you want to watch it or it's out on DVD. And for a movie to have this sort of longevity on screen, I think speaks to their vision as well. Um, and so I think just kind of seeing it from that angle of their kind of first feature debut effort um, – really shows what they're capable of. And both of these movies, I think have a lot of heart and a lot of earnestness to them. Yeah. And, absolutely. and, and you know, dis- despite the kind of different stories being told, I think both of them have a heart that is huge. And I think that's really important and really what makes it work. Mm-hmm. To absolutely. your point, I-, I think as absurd as this is, as surreal as this is, as funny as it is, I don't think it works without that heart. No, not at all. No, no yeah. chance. Yeah, I so, concur, yeah. I, 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 so I think that really just makes it sore. So I, I really dug it on a rewatch. I was kind of uncertain how it would go, but I, yeah, I, I really went for it. Very cool, very cool. So you know, dear listener, that we are on the wavelength of Swiss Army Man. We're going to move on, though, and uh, start trying to do the thing that we do, which is take academic discipline to these films by doing a little exercise called Expanding the Syllabus. Arthur, can you explain what Expanding the Syllabus is all about? Almost certainly I can. Expanding the Syllabus is a thought experiment wherein we, the host, assemble an academic course or module within a course. Uh, based around the assigned viewing for the week and adjacent text, from books and articles to tangentially related films and stories. Very good, very good. And with that, do you have a syllabus prepared, my friend? I do. I, I, I kept thinking about the, the bus sequence that Dalton mentioned, uh, where uh, Hank and Manny are kind of reconstructing this memory of almost a meet-cute moment, or what has been kind of presented to us in uh, kind of moments as maybe a meet-cute between Hank and this girl he met on the bus, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Um, and there's a good portion of the second act devoted to them recreating this with uh, Hank kind of becoming the Mary Elizabeth Winstead character, Manny standing in for Hank, and they're reenacting it. And, and almost any time we kind of get this recreation of events in a movie, it almost always feels like a meta storytelling director type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so it really kind of stuck out to me as kind of the deconstruction of the rom-com Specifically, those, those ways, the tropes of the meet cute work and function. And so I think I, I would almost do a full course on the rom-com. Let's make a note of that. Okay, let's do um, it. <laughs> and this, I think, would be in that kind of maybe postmodern era of the rom-com that kind of takes us into the late 90s, 90s, late 90s, into the, you know, 500 Days of Summer, I think, would be in that kind of era of things that are reevaluating uh, what this is in the indie romance. And so... Uh, I think we'd go back to the 80s, and i start with When Harry Met Sally, uh, because... The rom-com. While it is very much a rom-com, it also does feel like it's kind of messing with those tropes, because we do have this extended focus on them becoming friends rather than 
the immediate meet cute, fall in love, break up, blah, 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 blah. It has a kind of a different structure. And I think it's very aware of what it's doing. It's very smart in the way it builds to uh, its kind of finale there on New Year's Eve. Uh, and then I'd take a look at Don John, uh, that uh, the... Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. There he is. Yeah, did. JGL's... Directorial... His blank check in many ways. Yeah, yeah I guess. Sort of cash in a lot of his Hollywood clout on that one. Yeah, uh, about a porn-addicted uh, ladies' man uh, and a rom-com-addicted uh, woman that he meets and falls in love with and how their relationship plays out. And it really does speak to... Uh, kind of the way in which a relationship could dangerously look at a rom-com and trying to emulate that can spell disaster for a relationship because our life and love and romance isn't like the movies. But that's what kind of ScarJo's character in that film has taken to. She expects, you know, the meet cute. She expects, you know, that kind of romanticism of a romantic comedy. And so I think it's really playing with those ideas. I don't think it works quite as well as JGL would have hoped in, in some regards with some of his messaging and theming in there. Uh, but I think that kind of takeaway is, is still really important to the, the, the kind of dangerous fetishization of the rom-com re- relationship. Which and is so, something that it makes its way into Swiss Army Man a little bit. Yeah. You have Paul Dano sort of talking about the, the ways in which we, we've written rom-coms onto our expectations of, of romance. Yeah. yeah a little, it, that's definitely a feature of that bus scene that we've talked about. Yeah. Uh, from there, I would go with, I think, what is an updated take on when Harry met Sally and that is sleeping with other people with uh, Jason Sudeikis and Alison Brie. Good movie. Gotcha. Uh, which, yeah, I, I think is super good. It's a super fun, super smart little uh, romantic comedy that owes a great debt to when Harry met Sally because it's a very much similar structure uh, tale, uh, but set in a more modern uh, era in so far as being early 2010s, I think is when that comes uh, out. 2015. Okay. Um, and then from there, we'd probably look at the Paul Rudd, Amy Poehler joint. They came together, which is very much a parody <laughs> really satire <laughs> of the rom-com genre. Uh, and then we'd look at Todd Strauss Schulson's Isn't It Romantic, which stars Rebel Wilson, um, which is about a girl who oh, yeah, gets knocked this. out, wakes up in an alternate reality, which is a rom-com. Uh, but Todd Strauss Schulson had kind of gained some fame by, uh, with the meta film Final Girls, uh, where a bunch of uh, girls get stuck in a, or characters get stuck in a um, slasher film uh, that starred the main character's mother. Huh. So it's kind of like this meta mother thing going on. Um, I need that in my So life. he kind of pulls that into Isn't It Romantic to kind of deconstruct, I think, the tropes and expectations of the rom-com while still very much keeping the structure and narrative of a rom-com. Uh, we would also take a look at this year's uh, movie Fresh, starring uh, the Winter Soldier uh, and that girl from Where the Crawdads Sing. Um, <laughs> Just call him the Winter Soldier. <laughs> Forever. Um, but uh, yeah, which is kind of a, a look at dating in a modern era and plays with some of those tropes in a digital online dating Tinder uh, world uh, and then turns it into a horror movie, mm. uh, which is really fun. I'm there for that. Yeah, uh, it's a really good little uh, time at the movies. Uh, it's on Hulu uh, since they got that searchlight streaming deal. That's uh, one that they just dropped there, uh, but it's pretty solid. Uh, and then I think we'd end with the first season of Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Good show, uh, yeah. Where this really kind of takes off as uh, Rachel's character uh, just gets to deconstruct all these different tropes and expectations, uh, the manipulation of the meat cute. As she tries to uh, 
move to the, she, she does move to the hometown of the the guy she's trying to meet cute yeah and uh and the kind of intrinsic and i think even that kind of mental health side of it really pairs well with swiss army man as well yep. and so i mm-hmm. think that would be some stuff to uh untangled there there's that great uh song i think it's later in the show i think it's like season two or three uh the josh groban number about oh. how life is just a series of random events yeah. and you shouldn't try to put a narrative arc on top of yeah. it yeah yeah that's stuff. very funny so show. arthur has chosen the romantic angle to examine what angle have you chosen to examine for your syllabus i've Dalton? chosen the friendship angle dustin oh friendship uh, so is important sort of looked at a different facet of of the the relationship movie mm-hmm. um this would probably be less a film studies course more a sociology course but it would be a um module within the class about uh, male friendship in media because i think this movie is really effective at uh uh taking uh, adult friendship and going back to to being little boys uh which <laughs> i think is interesting because danny radcliffe is so childlike in his performance and knows so little that there is that element of learning about the world from somebody who knows just marginally more than you do. Which is basically how we all learned about the world, is it yes, not? Unfortunately. Yes, unfortunately. Yes. Um, but I, I think that there's a really kind of fun element there to that. I think this movie kind of uh, brings that into stark relief, like in a really, a very funny and clever way, but in a, a way that I think is really interesting. Again, the, the way they try to, uh, we, the way he tries to talk to Manny about like what is and is not socially acceptable, the way he lashes out at Manny and becomes his own father, like all this stuff is like really interesting relationship stuff, really interesting friendship stuff specifically. Uh, I think some other movies that would make for fun comparison uh, and can contrastant contrasting. Oh my God, I can't talk. It's been so long since we've By recorded. way of contrast. By way of contrast, we could look at films like uh, I Love You Man, Point Break, Boys in the Hood, and Moonlight. I think all mm. of those would pair really well with this because they all get into different aspects of male friendship. Uh, and again, you know, different modules in this class could look specifically at female friendship in media, and we could look at sort of uh, studies about friendship and, and other modules of the class be a little more bound to the real world, less bound to media. But I think having some modules focused on media would be really useful just to kind of look at how the stories we tell about friendship, what we expect friendship to look like, how we expect it to evolve and uh, mutate and uh, become something different and, and still maintain. Uh, again, I think the the heart that Swiss Army Man has gives it uh, a lot. Uh, you know, this is definitely, I think, fits the qualifier of a movie you wouldn't talk about in a film studies course, even though it's got that A24 prestige on it. It is kind of slight, as all comedies are, but there's still, as as we've talked about, there's like enough heart in this movie that I think it, it, it forces you to take it seriously, mm-hmm. which I think is really special. Dustin, how would you teach Swiss Army Man? Well, I love the sweet direction both of you have gone. Yeah. Because it works as a complete contrast to my own direction. Interesting. Which I am interested in death, the use of dead bodies. decay, and rot. Yes, indeed. Right. Great. Um, because, you know, I'm romantic too, like a gothic vampire, apparently. Uh, and so I would think about using this film to look at cinematic uh, humorous at times, and sometimes more serious examinations of exactly that particular process of putrefaction and obsession. And one of the first films I'd recommend is a film that made my top 100. It was somewhere in the 80s, if memory serves, and that is Peter Greenaway's A Zed and Two Knots, uh, which is a film about a pair of twin brothers whose wives both are killed in a car accident, and they become very, very obsessed with these time-lapse photos of dead bodies decaying, and there's a lot of this use of nature stock footage there, 
and uh, decay itself, the processes of decay, the various fungi and uh, snails are an example of uh, creatures that are used quite a bit. But the way in which it creates this sort of uh, hilarious art farce of uh, both sex and of just silliness and death, decay and rot. Uh, It's a fascinating little film. Uh, uh, Basically, in many ways, I think it's a predecessor or antecedent uh, Swiss Army Man. I wouldn't. I'd be curious to know if the Daniels had seen this film as an inspiration uh, for that. Then I would move on to a little art film, uh, one of those experimental films of Stan Brakhage, uh, which is the act of seeing one with one's own eyes, which is an art film um, beautification of an autopsy. That's exactly what the movie is. The title one more time. Uh, that was a- the act of seeing with one's own eyes. Gotcha. Okay. And we see one's own eyes uh, with one's own eyes. Uh-huh. It is a. Th- I don't think I'll say much more. Yeah, no, I think you said enough. (laughs) (laughs) And yet, somehow, beautified. Interesting. It is a a fascinating little short film uh, that is definitely worth your time. Uh, looking at that, and then uh, in, in combine in combination with that, uh, I think uh, as far as essay reading would go, uh, Julia Kristeva's uh, writings on the abject, the ideas of those things which are so uncanny, so viscerally other that repulsion is our natural reaction, and the ways in which at times media somehow. Ca- creates a, a scenario which we cannot look away. And I think that's exactly what happens with this film, also with the Z and Two Knots, uh, which spells zoo, and then uh, finally uh, with the act of seeing with one's own eyes. Uh, so looking at those kind of dialogues and conversations and the cinematic representation of, again, rot, death, decay. Uh, you can go funny with it. Death Becomes Her comes as a possible film sure. that you could look at uh, for that as well. But we've got enough silliness and farce already, so maybe something a little bit more serious there. There's probably a number of killer movies that one could look at as well, but I think we, we've gone dark enough without having to add the... Uh, no, I think you should actually throw Death Becomes Her on there. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that's a good call. Okay. Yeah, I think I think you might need a little more levity than you think more you need. More levity than I need. <laughs> well, with the eight minutes of the act of seeing with one's own eyes is yeah. going <laughs> to... Requires an entire 90 minutes of Bobby Zemeckis. <laughs> Maybe. Um, simply out of kindness, perhaps. And it is a good time, that film is. So, uh, those are my thoughts, though, uh, regarding that. And dear listener, your syllabus just got much longer, but now I believe it's time to get down to business. Uh, that's right, dear listener. That business is, as always, analysis. I'm so excited to be doing some analysis on Swiss Army Man, and we've talked often about how comedy is light, but I think we might have a bit more to say. I don't know, but I anticipate. I think maybe uh, more than there's than other times we've we've tried to talk about comedy. There's more necrotic meat on this particular bone uh, for us to chew, chew on. on? Okay. Um, so let's begin with something a little bit lighter. Uh, well, not lighter. Actually, quite a bit more serious. I was thinking a lot about <laughs> Dano's obsession uh, with the girl on the bus, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And how he's camped outside her house. That it, it seems to me that in the end moments of the film, that the distance between the beach and her house is quite a bit less. Mm-hmm. And it makes sort of just been lost stumbling in circles is, is for about a month. This is the implication we get. Yeah. But, well, or he never really wanted to get that far. 
I, I thought a lot about the Joker make the the Joker film, the origin story uh, uh-huh. with uh, Joaquin Phoenix mm. and uh, Paul Dano's character as Hank as Incel. Mm, okay, and that this is actually a movie about a a really kind of creepy guy. That that's, we're, that, that's empathetic that's to the creepy of, guy. The the final scene sort of lays that bare too, yeah. right? Yeah. Like it is all about like this public revelation of of his the weirder aspects of him that he's this he's weird obsessed, about yeah he's a weird obsessed guy he knows he's being weird and obsessive mm-hmm. and again this is where i think the movie attempts at or a gesture towards some kind of sympathy because he does not wish to act upon this but he is sort of in a compulsive kind of way being forced to find some way to finally talk to the girl on the bus which of course turns out to be married and with a daughter and all of that and well in the I don't know, there's something really interesting to the the honest and simple explanation of you seemed really happy and I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's there's something... It's a very The Strangers, you were home. Yeah. Kind of moment. Yeah. But obviously less menacing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but, but definitely... Could easily have gone as menacing. Could have gone that menacing, yeah. But it is, there you go, it's very straightforward, just like, this is what it is. And it's, yeah. I think that that adds to that feeling of the, the film sympathy for uh, Hank, Dustin, as you said, is it lets him have that moment of emotional honesty. It lets him lay it out that cleanly and, um, you know, shows his motivation as uh, less less malicious or less nefarious or less creepy than it could have been. Right. right? It gives him that moment of, of honesty. Well, I, and I think it does sort of add again, this humanizing element and I, I'm not going to defend guys on Reddit or men's right activists kind of, idiots or whatever here that's not my 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 point but i do think that there are a number of men and women i'm sure who are um socially stunted who are in a place where they are crippled by anxiety and they are they're generally harmless yeah that they they, sure and and i i think one of the things that our culture has done is it has uh sensationalized those stories when though and again typically it's men that act in this way act in a violent obsessive kind of way at the point of danger that to recognize that there those those men exist and they need to be named and uh you know proper consequences need to be involved but there's a number of men i i i think maybe the film is suggesting that are like paul dan who's basically a harmless kind of guy he's just really weird yeah and i think that 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 is what the movie is suggesting i I think that's definitely not out of step with what the movie's saying is yeah some people are just a little weird and mm -hmm. maybe harmless uh but definitely weirder than they want to be yeah and that's i think that's what's sort of interesting is he's trapped in this uh being weirder than he wants to be, which is sort of the implication. I I choose to believe the magical realism of the film, and Manny is a sentient zombie of some <laughs> oh, sort. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm, I've chosen the not-a-metaphor route for this one. <laughs> okay. I've, I've chosen to believe, based on everybody's uh, uh, reaction to the end of the film, that Manny did, in fact, propel himself back out into the ocean. Uh, on a on a stream of farts. I think, <laughs> well, I, that is not my reading. <laughs> Real or not, I, I think we still. I mean, there's enough evidence there that does, I think, quantify Dustin's read that you know the the pictures on the phone. He is camped out outside of her home, and you know Manny's magical uh, intrusion into this, whether real or not, does seem to be more of a uh, I don't know 
sounding board for what Hank's going through. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. I, I think narratively, it's a really interesting. I, I like that you brought up Joker um, because that movie is just so full of itself. Um, that this movie accomplishes so much of what I think Phillips is trying to do with Joaquin Phoenix and Joker and that, that character um, kind of laying that out here in, in such a way that is very smart about the way it does get us to empathize because it isn't until that final reveal where we really realize just kind of maybe not what type of person Hank is, but where he has come to because of the trauma that seemingly mm-hmm. has been inflicted upon him all of his life. Right. It's not just a level of, I was you know, kind of bullied at school. Like, uh, you know, I wasn't laughed off stage at the, the laugh factory or whatever Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix has got going on. Right. Yeah. It's, it seems to be something much more traumatic with his father, with, with his death of his mother and all these other kind of issues that have made him a kind of social pariah. Uh, and this and is not to say to this point. yeah and this is not to say this is not a person who needs help this is not no. to say this is not a situation in which you call the authorities yeah uh, that absolutely one must protect oneself I, and i think the movie is smart in this way in which it is an empathetic person in which you go i want this person to get better mm-hmm. it does not do what a lot of fanboys did with a movie like the joker like man i identify i feel seen by this guy yeah like no this is a movie where it says this is a real life felt set of experiences and again felt because i don't think <laughs> daniel radcliffe is really a zombie talking uh to paul dano maybe he is maybe he is <laughs> what doesn't but i i do think that this is a this is an identifiable kind of neurosis that a person sure. might experience sure. in which that person clearly does need to seek aid and to seek help and well, yeah, I, because it's come to a self I, you know i i think maybe the, the metaphor place is uh the being stuck on the island, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't think being stuck on the island is what drove Dano's character to self harm. Right? I don't think like, he ever yeah. was on the I think, island. I think Hank was going to hurt himself at some point, maybe. Yeah. Regardless of being lost uh, on a three hour tour, as right? Yeah, he's on Catalina Island. Yeah. Is as far off as he is. Although yeah. it looks much more Pacific Northwest, the uh, the the set does than it, it looks, does like off of uh, Southern California. Yeah, to me, it feels like uh, Northern California. Where they film? They film throughout California, San Pedro and Humboldt County. Ah, Humboldt. The Green Triangle. I'm not sure where Humboldt is exactly. Northern California. Okay, it is Northern California. Where all the okay. weed comes from. Okay, that's what that, that that makes sense yeah. to me. That it does look like more like there's there's a Netflix documentary North of San about Francisco Humboldt. to me, uh, which makes better sense. But yeah. my my point is, uh, I again, what Todd Phillips's film does is again, it sort of like empowers these men to act out. This film, on the other hand, sort of is a better reflection of no, not to be seen, but to see yourself and to see that. This is not normal. We need to find some way out because the only only other way, I think the film's conclusion really works this way because I don't believe um, Daniel Radcliffe rides off smiling in a foam cloud rooster tail of flatulence. Uh, That rather, that kind of break from reality is your only other option unless you come into the fold, find the help that you need, seek the medication that's required. And so I, I find the movie to be medicine for incels as opposed to um, further metastasizing their sickness, if that makes sense. I think you get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's something there. So um, that was the that was the thing I kept thinking about. Um, Interesting. Is there, is it, what was the thing you guys kept thinking about? And rather than me just ham fisting this discussion because i've got other things we could discuss but uh, i thought a lot about uh the already discussed uh sort of 
trying to graft rom-coms onto your life. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's sort of what we get in the the bus is yeah. is Hank describing the meat cute he wishes had happened. Yeah. And so much of Manny and Hank's relationship in this movie is is predicated on what Hank has learned and internalized from life, what he is supposed to look like, how he's supposed to present, how life is supposed to be, whether it's through, you know, culture or media or his dad. Um, he, he definitely like is projecting a lot of stuff onto Manny, um, because he doesn't want to be seen the way he's seeing Manny, right? Manny, Manny comes across as weird and strange to him and he doesn't want Manny to be weird or strange because he doesn't want to be weird or strange. Right. And, uh, so that's, that was what I thought about a lot was, was just sort of this way that Hank is trying to write and direct his life. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Mm Mm-hmm. And try trying to uh, maybe think of Nathan Fielder's the rehearsal a little bit, which I'm watching right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that's probably why I thought of it. But I, I think there's an element of that there, right? Yeah. With the, the practicing the approach, practicing the meet cute, made me yeah. really think of the this show, the rehearsal, because this. he's working up his guts to go across the ravine to her yard. Yeah, you think? That, that's I think what it is for you. That, that, that's what I thought. Yeah, it is pretty convenient oh, yeah. that he's stuck in her backyard. It it really does become a bit too convenient. Like it, they go straight to where the uh, what was the name of the cafe that they built? Oh, oh there's that, yeah, yeah. The moose something. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't know. they have a name for it, but right. it's never said aloud. But yeah, I forget the, what you're, the cafe yeah. set, the bus set, all of their their campsites are shown to be just a stone throw from her yeah. backyard. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I, I definitely, it seems to be that the, the movie is suggesting that maybe he was camped out there. I, I think that, that that's definitely a valid reading. Yeah. Um, I hadn't thought about it that way though. I, I can't believe I hadn't thought about yeah. it that way. Uh, but it, I don't know. It's, it's frustrating to me because there's so much put on Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character that isn't really resolved outside of her big what the fuck at the end of the movie, <laughs> which yeah. is a great final line for uh, this movie. You know, I mean, that is the appropriate reaction. Oh, 100%. And the appropriate final line for Swiss Army Man, mm-hmm. uh, a multi-purpose tool guy. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, multi-purpose That's tool such guy. such a good... It's those little line. nods right there, like, so, you know, her final line, mm-hmm. and then that that line, because obviously that's the moment where you would say the title of the movie. Yeah. Which is also feels like a a way to do a meta thing, without really doing a meta thing, and I think that's a, another really smart element of that that screenplay. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it made it made me think of similar like really clever moments and everything everywhere. Uh, oh yeah, just, yeah, it definitely. Yeah, made me think of like what what their filmography will continue to look like as far as playing with metatextual stuff, mm-hmm. playing playing in the, that fourth wall breaky area without doing it in a way that everybody's doing it. Because everybody's doing it right now. Everything has yeah. to be self-aware for whatever mm-hmm. reason because the internet, Are I we guess. post, post, post-modern? Is that where we're at? <sighs> Feels like. Yeah, something. I mean, you know, because, you know, if your window is post-modern in which it is sort of like he's making the film on the screens, right, and directing Grace Kelly's character, now he's yeah. just simply directing the prompt, right, that he's, yeah. that he's uh, uh, found. Yeah. <laughs> again, finding yeah. this this human body and then using it to sort of again work up his nerve uh, to see the girl. Yeah, I mean it is like a post post, perhaps third post, postmodern. We've deconstructed and reconstructed. That's postmodernism. Mm-hmm. Is that where we're at? And now we've, then we've deconstructed. <laughs> and then we've decayed. Yes. Yeah. 
zombie postmodernism, societal entropy. Uh, wherever that <laughs> stage of yeah, it, yeah, um, it's a, postmodernism. It's a very, very late stage of capitalism we're into now. Um, <laughs> we'll go see uh, Frederick Jameson about that and figure it out <laughs> later. Um, the other thing I was thinking a lot about was the Lacan, um, like you do, uh, the yeah. idea of him constructing this language with the zombie. This idea that he has had this encounter with the real is that I cannot go on living the way I've been living. And again, I'm not completely convinced that the island ever happened. Yeah, okay. I, I, no, I'm with you. I, I, That's I, how I've read it. Is He was there because it is way too convenient for him to be in her backyard when he is found. Washed up, yeah. yeah. That and he was that always little there. little reveal at the end when they go and like, oh, there's his cafe there's uh yeah like it, it feels very much like it, yeah he's at he's, the, he's, he's at been the, stalking her yeah he's at the desert of the real and is traumatized by it and he's got to figure out some way there and so that is the reconstruction of the symbolic of this yeah. other order and so he teaches the zombie language he teaches the zombie basic social constructs and names and labels of things and through that, he begins to enact and perform and misidentify. And again, the misidentification, the whole mirror stage thing, uh, in which Manny becomes Hank, becomes Manny, and whose phone is what, and how he's got to get past that misrecognition to finally have some way to encounter the real and re again ingest the symbolic into himself. That 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 seems to be a pretty Lacanian friendly uh section there and so the the whole use of the body is though at, at all times right there against the edges of the real of decay and of just the grossness of human existence well, i'll give gen- you one better man what is it that brings manny back it is longing right mm-hmm. it is uh the the sensation of lustful longing that, the obscure uh, object of desire you got it that's right <laughs> baby that's what brings manny back yeah uh every time he's he you know it's uh Hank shuts him down and makes him feel small. That's what brings Manny back to life every time he starts to clam clam up. Very interesting. There's a there there. Yeah. So I, again, there, there's there's definitely something going on on, on the dome on this one uh, for sure. We've talked about the rom- romantic rom com, the romantic. I've about said romantic comedy. The ramen. The, the ramen. Manic comedy. Yeah, that's just when you're poor and <laughs> when a Marichan loves a woman. <laughs> um, and we've talked about Lacan, and we've talked about decay and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm I'm curious about the film in terms of screenwriting and and sort of the bones of making a film because we talked early about tonal surfing. How does the film? negotiate those major curves in the wave to bring us to those dark pl- how, how how is it that it's able to bring an audience along is what I'm curious about um, what do you find in either filmmaking style or it's the universality of fart jokes yeah I really think it's that simple I, I, I think I think well I read I don't know if this is apocryphal or not but I read that uh, the Daniels sold Paul Dano on this with uh, the first fart's going to make you laugh and the last fart's going to make you cry. Uh, I don't know if it could be apocryphal. But I, I truly think that the, like, the absurdity, the silliness of it is what, what it's it's banking on. It's banking on the hard pivot from mm-hmm. somebody trying to kill themselves yeah. uh, to writing a fart-propelled corpse. Like it, it is going as hard as it possibly can in the other direction. 
it is embracing death and decay, but it is looking at the the humor in that and trying to bring you back on board, bring you back to life, bring you out of hopelessness. Uh, very effectively, I think. I think yeah. the, the, I think the farts work. I think they're very yeah. funny. I, mm-hmm. I think it is that hard contrast between yeah. you know the 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 way in which it does swing from uh, from near suicide to uh, gas powered uh, Radcliffe ski. <laughs> Well, in that in in ten minutes, and that's opening titles too, right? (laughs) It's Paul Dano, Daniel Radcliffe, triumphant Swiss Army, yeah, triumphant music, and they're just like two dolphins, you know, gallantly majestic, yeah, majestic. It's a great (laughs) word, majestic. Yeah, I I think it is somehow the way in which that absurd does work to to be able to manage that, and I think also the after on a rewatch, understanding. This is a deeply tragic movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. When you really kind of move past the 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 flatulence of it, I mean, there is something very sad about it. And, and I don't know that you pick it up on the initial watch, but I think upon a rewatch, you really can discern just how kind of sad it is. And I, I, there's almost a melancholy to it that mm-hmm. I think takes hold, which helps. Kind of an all the lonely time. people kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's there's all kinds of stuff uh, like, uh, you know, people aren't supposed to talk about this kind of stuff, Manny, mm-hmm. right? Or uh, oh, it's trash. It's stuff people don't want anymore, so they hide it. Am I trash? Yeah, like it's there's all kinds of shit like that, right? Mm-hmm. This, this, this runs this melancholy thread that runs throughout the film of this sort of this uh, not ennui. That's too dramatic a word, but this this definitely this this feeling that everything is 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 decaying. Uh, can't believe I'm going to say entropy again two two times in one episode, but the, this feeling that everything is falling apart mm-hmm. is definitely communicated throughout the movie, and in a really kind of interesting way, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, especially I, I, the 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 trash thing, I just thought was so interesting, and I didn't really pick up on it at all the first time I watched this movie. But I, I thought about the the um, the u- using trash to make stuff uh, aspect of of Manny and Hank's relationship, and also like Hank viewing himself as trash. Uh, I thought it was really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, just something I thought about a lot on this watch. That, that was w- one thing that kind of stuck with me. When I think that tenderness of, you know, that sort of self-awareness, or not, it's not self-awareness because he's not trash, but that that's the way a person feels in the depths of that kind of depression slash anxiety, you know, whatever that Venn diagram of disorders that Hank's character might suffer from. I there There's a real genuine earnestness there again yeah and that that's 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 where that tonal shift really works i think also the tonal shift works in again those celebratory moments of pop pop popcorn (laughs) yeah right yeah it's triumphant like they they, they, it works and also the big montage which is referenced in the lyrics of the song um as they're you know having their meet cute moment on the bus yeah this is this is pure fantasy that we're entering into and it's shot like well, a lot of A24 romantic kind of yeah. thing. It's very definitely playing. And I think that that they could really easily turn somebody off. Like the ways this movie's playing with like indie tweeness. Yeah. Like it, but it is definitely like very subversively doing that kind of twee thing. That mm-hmm. I think. Right. That's how yeah. I always, I've, I've read yeah. it both times I've seen this movie now. It definitely lands as being a takedown of that kind of movie a little bit. Uh, because that's and that's what's so frustrating to me about the not landing the uh, the the sort of larger idea of every girl was more special mm. before the internet. I, I feel like we almost get there by letting Hank be 
perceived as so creepy in that moment where you know the news is there his dad's there all at the 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 house of the woman that he's sort of stalked a little done a little light stalking to Mm -hmm. right because that is what it is i mean yeah Uh, not to you know to brush away all the colorful language um so it's it's this weird moment where he's he's kind of led uh, laid low in a big way um that uh, it, again, it just kind of ties together with all these other elements we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of interesting. And once that, it, it, but it doesn't, for me, doesn't quite put a bow on it for whatever reason. Right. And I don't know if it's because she needed another line of confrontation towards Hank. I'm not quite sure what's missing there for me because it feels like it, it definitely sees all these threads and they all kind of come together, but they don't get quite tied together in a way for me that's satisfying. Yeah. But I, again, I think that the the way in which it's taking down the sort of that tweeness, the way it's, um, showing uh, Hank writing rom-coms onto real life. Like, I think it, it knows what it's doing, at least at some level. Yeah. It just doesn't come to anything kind of super satisfying as far as a conclusion for me. I don't know. Is it, I don't know if this is connecting with either of you at all, but uh, something that I'm thinking about. Yeah, I mean, I think it is kind of problematic, this idea that, I mean, I think he's trying to say something along the lines of, I can see how special this girl is and no one else can. Except yes. for it's Scott Pilgrim's girl. What's her what's the actress's name? Uh Mary Elizabeth. I almost Winstead. said Ramona Flowers. I just <laughs> Ramona Flowers, right? <laughs> I did almost say Ramona Flowers. Uh, Ramona Mary Flowers Elizabeth, is what I was thinking as well. Mary yeah. Elizabeth Winston. Yeah. I mean, so it she's she's an Instagram girl. I mean, you know, I mean, as far as that kind of internet level beautification, you know, yeah. commodification of beauty kind of thing. And so I, I think almost, even though she does a great performance, it's almost the wrong choice for that uh, if you're going to ma- make it sympathetic. But the idea, I think, here that works uh, across the grain to, again, highlight the brokenness of Hank's mind and the obsession level that is, again, with an element of danger, is that he sees her beauty the way no one else can. Right, right? yeah. It's this, the uh, pedestal is just a fancier cage. Yeah. Right. And, and and that that's that's when you're just in good old-fashioned stalker territory at that point. It's, yeah. it's his standard stalker at that point. Yeah. Well, there's... it's. There's a lot of this in Hank, though, right? Like uh, the the moments where he's he's lamenting that he sounds like his dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's the thing that I made a point to write down. Right? There is a lot of a lot of what is shortcomings in Hank is is him projecting like his own stuff onto other people mm-hmm. or his own stuff onto Manny mostly. Yeah, because right? that's who we see him interact with the most, obviously. Um, but that's the I don't know. It definitely feels like one or both of the Daniels really needed to take have a conversation about the R word with somebody in their life. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? The movie like really hits that point three times. Yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't say that word. Mm-hmm. Right. It definitely feels like they, that was something that's been weighing on one of the two of them. At yeah. Least. Uh, yeah. One to highlight that that's not okay. Yeah. Really uh, bring that point home, which I, I don't know is interesting choice, a very specific choice, but uh, that I, I thought was interesting. And again, mm-hmm. I, the, the fact that that's like where Hank goes to immediately with Manny is so interesting yeah mm-hmm. is where his dad goes to with him like yep. the, the, the way that that sort of parental shortcoming gets revisited upon people that Hank wants to be close to is yeah uh, I think that there's something really kind of true and sad about that aspect of the film that I really like mm-hmm. absolutely well are there any other major themes before we render a verdict um 
I kind of just wanted to. We we you mentioned the A twenty four ness of this movie. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. Do we talk? I mean, this is a big, not a small one for them, but it starts a relationship that'll go on to be big. This movie is a acquisition for them uh, that they picked up at Sundance. It's not one they were involved in the uh, production of. Yeah, uh, didn't make you know made its money back basically, mm-hmm. uh, but you know brings this uh, relationship between the A24s and the Daniels together. Yeah. Uh, so they, you know, go on to make uh, the most financially successful A24 movie. Uh, where does this this fit in sort of the, their larger catalog for you guys? Is it uh, Does it feel of a piece with their other work? I feel like it, it definitely... You know, it makes sense that that logo is at the beginning of this movie. I Absolutely, guess. yeah. I'm I'm not a big A24 devotee. Yeah. I mean, I, I the movies from that they from them that I've seen have been okay for the most part, and I've liked most of them. But I mean, that being said, I mean I've seen some real dogs too uh, come out of that as well. I'm trying to think of that kickboxing movie that we watched for the show. Oh God, uh, Prayer Before Dawn. Yeah, yeah, they've got some duds. I mean, you know, I mean that that was an A24. Is it not? Yeah, a, is that's it an A24. Was it Annapura? I think it. I'm pretty sure it is because uh, I was just looking at their uh, their box office charts the Here's other day. What I'm looking for. Uh, but was anyway, that, 19, 19. that being said, there's a, there's a gazillion movies that they're making, and yeah. the, and of course they've got some great hits. But so does Paramount. Sure. So I mean, so does Universal. So does you know whoever. And so those. I, 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 I don't quite get that again. Sort of super super loyalty that a lot of. Um, Again, cinephiles, Twitter film kind of people sure. sort of seem to develop. And there are there are movies that really work from A24 that are very well branded. And that yeah. just seems to me like the MGM musicals, mm. right, of mm-hmm. the 1930s and 40s. MGM put together a bunch of great musicals, but they didn't just make musicals. And so it's more about a different brand. And the brand, you've already mentioned it, it's the Twee brand. Yeah. And uh, when they put out a good Twee film, People tend to dig that. But the people also like it when they do. I mean, I think some of their most successful well, films are their films. darkest films, yeah, right? But, yeah, exactly. But, but the, there's, a, there's a horror twee. Sure. And and, and that's what... Yeah, you okay. Know, that, that's you just, could definitely call Ari Aster twee horror. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think you'd be wrong to do so. And and so it's just that spin on it. And so a twee film, and but this one's kind of scary, mm-hmm. is, is really what we're... And more than kind of scary. I mean, I'll, but let's be honest here. Go ahead. Educate the younger old man. What's a twee? <sighs> Like twee, like uh, you know, Dustin wearing a corduroy vest to give a lecture. That's twee. Twee uh, like Wes Anderson. Like Wes hipster? Anderson's twee. So like yeah. hipster. Is yeah, just... definitely. Hipster is definitely that, that, in that that ballpark. Okay. Yeah, a guy with a waxed handlebar yeah, yeah, mustache. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Is and and, yeah. and sweet. sweet. How I Met Your Mother can be very twee though. Yeah. Yeah. The, it, it's a combination of sweetness, soft focus lighting. Yeah. And uh, corduroy. Yeah. T W I or. T-W-E-E. E-E, yeah. I think invoking Wes Anderson was a good move. He is the tweest. The, absolutely. One, without a doubt. As far as like a ma- ma- current uh, okay. American cinema you. goes, yeah. Excessively or affectedly quaint, pretty, or sentimental. Yes. There and I we think go. The, the farts keep this movie from being that. Right. I, that For me, like, there's the farts and the boners and the, the corpse water. And mm-hmm. there's enough really kind of gross, <laughs> deliberately off-putting stuff in this movie that I, I think is like working in opposition to that tweeness. Yeah, I, and I do think it's sort of like to create yeah, a balance. Yeah, it does, it does balance the dish. It's the, there's there's more than just the twee spice. Yeah, if you yeah. want to say it's, it that it's way, it's got acidity. It's got heat. It's got all the things you want. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's got umami. <laughs> there's a lot of umami. <laughs> there's a lot of umami in this movie. 
Okay. Well, with that, let's render a verdict. (laughs) What do we say about Swiss Army Man? Are we Swiss Army fans? Shelf or trash? I ask you first, Dalton. This is the lightest possible trashing. The lightest possible. And for me, it's because I went from four and a half stars to three and a half stars on this movie. Okay. It's, it's, It's lost a full star on the rewatch for me. And uh, who knows, on a third watch, I could find myself reevaluating it yet again. I very may well. Uh, but knowing uh, if uh, there's only two movies from the Daniels currently, and one of them is an achievement in movie making. And one is like a really good fart comedy. It's <laughs> got a lot on its mind and a lot. It's got a lot of heart, but it's it doesn't. You know, I think it's it's easy to diminish everything everywhere all at once is the movie about how you need to hug your family more. But I think it's got a lot more on its mind than just that. Mm-hmm. This, to me, is is a little bit more of the uh, be nicer to yourself is, is mm-hmm. sort of what this movie's got. And that's that's sort of where I'm at. It's just got a little bit less going on. It's achieving a little bit less. Uh, so it, it, it again, very, very light trashing, though, for me. I just I'm just saying it's not quite essential, but I do like it quite a bit. Okay, fair enough. What do you say, Arthur? Shelf or trash for Swiss Army Man? Uh, I would put it on the shelf. I, I think there's just something very singularly unique. Uh, I think it's one of those things that, uh, at this current rate, I haven't seen the death of Dick Long from the singular Daniel. Um, but I'm sorry, what? The death of Dick Long from the singular Daniel. Is it Shinerd or Quan? Shinerd, I think. Did, did one by himself? Yeah, with A24. Um, but, uh, huh. yeah, I think... Um, for me, I think there's just something so unique and captivating about this style. And again, it's, I think, less story for me and just the actual filmmaking of, of what is being put on yeah. screen here. That that just sings like an incredible machine. So, yeah, I, I, I would easily shelf it. All right. Very good. Very good. I, too, would shelf the film. I think it is uh, a good uh, palate cleanser to tweenus. Uh, and it is, uh, as we said, this sort of tonal title shifts that it's able to uh, negotiate, I think, make it really kind of brilliant and a lot of fun. And, you know, the fart jokes work for me. Yeah. Um, I just I laughed more than six times. That is your rule. That is my rule. So it's a good comedy. So I liked it a lot. And uh, therefore, I will put it on the shelf. There you go, dear listener. What are your thoughts? We'd love for you to share them with us. Dalton's going to tell you how. That's right. If you want to share your thoughts with us, you can send the long-form feedback to goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. It's the name of the show you're listening to, at gmail.com. You can also find us over on Twitter, at goodtrashmedia, where we post links to the episodes, uh, to uh, articles we find interesting, uh, other shows by people we like. Uh, That's at goodtrashmedia if you want to follow us there. And last but certainly not least, if you want to help us keep the lights on, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash gtm. Uh, where the Arthurtron 9000 will pick movies for you, not just for what we're going to be watching and talking about on this show. We can put those powers to to use for you. Uh, you fill out a little questionnaire, and Arthur feeds it through his algorithms that are his brain, and uh, boom, out comes a movie for you. Beep, boop, beep. And it's always right. Yeah, it's, it's never wrong. It's never, ever wrong. You're going to get that movie in the mail, and you're going to go... This is exactly what I needed to add to my collection. That was right. Yeah. So with that, Arthur, are we going to do another movie? Oh, I suppose. Do you want to? Uh, Let's do one more. Well, we already watched it, so we may as well. Uh, (laughs) Next week, we deal with legacies and franchises as we enter the digital world to play Tron Legacy. Ye and also ha. (laughs) Remember Garrett Hedlund?
I'm not afraid.